Well, hello, everybody. I hope some of you don't know who I am, because that would mean that you're new here. But um, my name is Dan Stewart, and I was a pastor of the past. Uh, I was a teaching pastor on staff 20 years ago, was here just uh, several years ago pastoring. And back, your pastor asked me once a year to have a migration to come and see my peeps. So, um, yay! Glad to be here. And uh, is uh, Danny still in here? You know, the first service, you blew me away. The second service, I'm without words. Um, first of all, I don't think I've been in a church in a long time that I didn't feel rushed through worship. This does not feel rushed. Thank you. Because, um, yeah. And... And secondly, um, if you notice, there was a theme to his song about God's love and the love of God. Well, my message today is on the love of God. He didn't know at all that that's what I was speaking on. So I just want to tell you, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, arranges things. I sent my message to Pastor John weeks before, and so... um, it's awesome when the Lord guides us because you can't plan it. I mean, that's, that, that, that's odds are a million to one that you would come up with the same subject. So thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Danny. Um, well done. And by the way, my legal name is Danny, so um, I'm, I'm right there with you. My relatives call me Danny, so that's about it. But... Um, Connie would have been here, but we had a birthday party for our one-year-old in our home, and I went down and did a wedding last night in Santa Ana, and then, anyway, she just says, she loves you, but (laughs) she passed on that. I wanted to, um, by the way, buy some water, buy some water, 10 bucks, it's a, a, you, you can't invest anything better than water. Um, I want to also thank Antioch for, I just got back from Kenya, um, last month, and uh, I wanted to show you just a couple of pictures because you've been part of this uh, ministry. Um, this is my 42nd year going. I am stinking old. I'm just, <laughs> man. Um, this is church number four that we, uh, that we helped partner with them to build. Now, we have built three before. This is number four. We only had enough money to build three. Um, we're still building churches because people just give. Um, this building, go back to the fir- that slide. This building um, costs $30,000 to build. I mean, it's really a nice building. And um, that was, uh, like I said, building number four. Um, and uh, go back to the first slide that you had up. This is Mama Gloria's school. And if you'll see that she covers the inside with cardboard and then she writes the ABCs on the cardboard. Um, these are kids that cannot afford to go to any school, so they would not be educated. But she is a four-square pastor's wife who has a burden for her community. They meet in a shed, and she has about 25 little kids that um, are from the poorest of the poor in the village. And she teaches them, and they knew their ABCs. They were... They were so cute. I have a video of it, and it, it, it um, brings me to tears every time I watch it. But the, go to the next one. 
some of you remember, I was here last year, two years ago, I'm, I'm pretty savvy travel-wise. I think I'm, I'm pretty smart. I, I get culture. I've been doing it for hundreds of years. And so we decided to do a vacation Bible school, okay? Hadn't done one in 30-something in years. So we said, let's do vacation Bible school. Well, last two years ago, we brought paper plates and dried macaroni, and we folded them in half and stapled them and put streamers on it, and they were tambourines. You could shake them. We thought, okay, kids would like that. Well, we passed out all the paper plates we had, and then we put the macaroni on the plates, and then the kids ate the macaroni. (laughs) And then they started crying. And then all the students I had with me started crying. And then all the leaders were crying. And I was playing soccer. So I came back in, and I said, what in the... <laughs> Everybody's crying. They were hungry. They were hungry. And when you give them a plate, they assumed what you put on is food. So we got some chai. We got some stuff for them. Well, I said, the next time we have vacation Bible school, we're going to feed every one of those kids every night. So this is the first night of vacation Bible school. We had nearly 400 kids show up for our first it weren't villages folks we're out in the middle of really nowhere and we had 400 kids show up and that's the first night they all got crowns and uh, they all got fed so um, we had three nights of vacation bible school with meals we had somewhere around 400 kids make a commitment to christ and they were as cute as they could be so um, we also planned for 150 We missed it. So I want to thank you for your um, support of the African outreach to Kenya and for helping build those churches and for helping um, our medical clinics. We see somewhere around 700 people. We have two medical doctors that go. And um, I had a lady bring a six-month-old baby in. Six months. And I was a guy that does the blood pressure, the temperature, age, and give it to the doctor. They bring a slip of paper in, and I fill that slip out. I scan the baby's head with the thermometer, and, it was, and I go, something wrong with that. So I scanned it again. It was 106.9. That, you, you can't live with that. So we, we prayed, of course, for everyone that came in, but we took her to a, a clinic and got an IV put into her and was able literally to save her life. The doctor said she'd be dead tomorrow because the mother had no money. They lived in squalor. They had no father. He was gone. She had three other kids. The baby would be gone. And we were able to do that for three other kids. Um, cost us $100 each to get them into an IV. So for 300 bucks, we saved three kids' lives. To me, that was worth the whole trip. It's worth the, to- the whole trip. And um, be grateful when you can go to a doctor. Be grateful when you can get Tylenol. Be grateful for those things that... Um, that they have no access to. And, um, you know, I, I know that God loves me. I get it. I, I, I do. I know he loves all of us. But I was thinking about something, and it, it, it really began to just um, kind of creep into my own heart. And that's what I want to talk about today is not does God love us, but do you love God? And I think the words of Peter in, in John um, chapter 21 really kind of sums that up, and starting at verse uh, 15. 
Of course, Peter had denied Christ three times and had walked through that. And he says, when he had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Oh, yes, Lord. He said, you, you know that I love you. And that, that really is the title of my message is God knows I love him. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And he said again to Simon, son of John, do you, do you truly love me? He answered, less, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Today, if you were to stand before God and he asked you, do you love me? Could you prove you love him? Could you prove it? And so... Um, you know, my wife, Connie, I love her to death, but every time I leave, she goes, Do you, are you going to miss me? I'm talking 40 years of this. <laughs> what do you say to that? Oh, no, I never think of you. Um, so I go, you know I'm going to miss you. You don't act like you're going to miss me. <laughs> so there's, there's tactful ways to answer that question. But um, there's something about people understanding that you miss them, that you long to be with them, that you love them. Um, my daughter, Danielle, um, she was about this tall. And she was in our preschool at our church, and I have a candy drawer in my desk. I've had a candy drawer forever in my desk for me and the children. But um, I saw them. I could just see their heads. She came marching in with a whole pile of little kids behind her. And I heard her whispering really loud, my dad is candy. <laughs> and she goes, and he loves me. So he will give some to you. Now, if that's not the love of God, that is Jesus whispering to the Father, I love these guys. I really do. And because Jesus says that he loves us, he can turn and tell the Father, give him everything, Lord. Give him everything. Give him the kingdom. And that simply, let me, I'm just gonna give you a definition of the love of God. First of all, God's love. His love is infinite in its character. It's constraining in its power. It is inseparable from its object. It's individual in its choice. God's love is universal in its extent. It is unchanging in its purpose, and it's everlasting in its duration. That is the love of God. John 16, 27 says this, Know the Father himself, he loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. There was a, a young man who came to Jesus and wanted to validate an, an argument with him and and he asked jesus you know what should i do to inherit the kingdom and jesus says love your neighbor as yourself you know i don't want that answer i want another so he presses it who's my neighbor and the response that jesus gives is interesting he said that's not the question 
The question is, are you going to be a neighbor to everyone? Are you going to be the one who reaches that out? And he, he went on to tell the parable of a certain man who was a Samaritan, and they hated Samaritans, but the Samaritans saw a man who was beaten by the road, and a, a priest went by and walked on the other side, and somebody else walked by and went on the other side, but the Samaritan stopped and cared for him and bound his wounds. I don't know about you, but our world is nuts. Come on. We have an election. Help us. That's the best we can come up with. We have policemen being killed, slaughtered. We have Afro-American young men being shot and killed. We have airports that are unsafe. I've been to Istanbul 10 times in an airport in the International Park where 50 people were killed. And we just decided this year not to fly to Istanbul, just not to go through. And uh, glad we did. You've got Israel had an attack. We had 50 people killed in Florida. We had, I mean, if you start thinking about our world, it's, it's broken. Now remember, if there's anything this world needs to see is the love of God. Men will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. And I know, I know, and we should. In, in fact, can we just take a minute? I want to pray right now for just our country. Jesus, we, we pray. We pray for the families who have lost loved ones that have been shot and killed. We pray for the police department who's lost those that are dear to them. We pray, Lord, for our brokenness and our shallowness. And we, we, we pray for a country, Lord, that was founded on the principles of the love of your word. But sometimes we seem far from it. And we cry out, Lord, in our prayers for wisdom and grace and love. And Lord, we do pray that there would be a storm of love that would overflow this country and each other. And Lord, we, we pray and we repent for the wrongness of men's hearts that rise up against each other because of whatever ethnicity or whatever problems that we encounter, we still cry out, we need you. I pray for revival, Lord, because none of it is ever sustained within itself. It comes when the Holy Spirit moves fresh upon people's hearts. And so we pray for that, Lord. Make, make us uh, mindful of your world and broken for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody, for that. And um, that's why, you know, God's love is spontaneous. It's, it's, it's carrying up close. That's why love's declaration. Galatians 5.22 says this. The fruit of the Spirit is, first of all, love. And that's why Pat Morales, he said this, and I thought it was great. The height of our love for God will never exceed the depth of our love for another. I'm going to read it again. The height of our love for God will never exceed the depth of our love for one another. Paul lists nine spiritual fruit, but love is always preeminent. And that's why, that's what's the distinguishing act of a Christian love. And that's why we say is truth vital? Absolutely. 
Is experience essential? Absolutely. Is faith needed? It's indispensable. But without love, you have nothing. It said even martyrs in 1 Corinthians 13 need love. Even giving their lives, you better do so with love. Love is always part of action. And it's, it's, it means it's something that, in fact, you can read in Colossians chapter 3, it says that, he said, put on charity, put on, clothe yourselves with gentleness and kindness. And ultimately, he said, brothers, put on love. It's something you can wear every day and it's always in style. And I bet you get compliments if you wear love. You have to have it. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. Let's look at it. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I know I'm doing it the old-fashioned way. I have a Bible that actually has paper. <laughs> I know. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. Look at this. I... Love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. He starts out with simply those words, I love you, Lord. And so, I, I know I love God. I may not be good at a lot of things, but I love the Lord. I love the Lord and I trust him. And I, I do ask that you continue to pray for us. We've had a, a miserable four months. Um, my grandson, who's 15 years old, had a fever for, I don't know, a couple of days, maybe a week. And, you know, he's 15 years old. You kind of, oh, you'll get over it. Well, he finally was getting just sicker, so they finally took him to an emergency room and they did a blood workup. And he said, you, don't have, you have no platelets, none. So he goes, we gotta do blood transfusion now. And over a course of three days, they said he had a, they call it AML, leukemia. The worst is not what he has. The best is not what he has. He's right in the middle. And um, the protocol is four rounds of chemotherapy that would kill anybody over 50. Um, it's, it's nasty. So he's in his third round. He's just gone through it. Um, he'll go home for a couple of days, hopefully this week. What they do is they literally kill everything in your body and let, let your body reproduce. And if the body reproduces the blood, he can go home for a little bit for a couple of days, start the process over again. And uh, he's been a trooper. God's been evident in, in so many things. But in the, in the midst of this, my granddaughter, um, Kayla, is three, three years old. And I want to tell you, never short sell a kid in their relationship with God, even at three. Never under, underestimate that. Um, she didn't know anything, but my daughter, Nicole, said your, your uh, um, cousin is in the hospital and he has blood problem. That's what she just told me. He's got a blood problem. We need to pray for him. So every night they pray for him. And one night she came in to pray and she goes, we're not gonna pray for him for his uh, blood. She goes, well, that's what his problem is. She goes, no, his tummy. We, we gotta pray for his tummy because his tummy's not well. And she goes, okay. Well, the next morning on Facebook, Joel's digestive system was completely messed up and they were praying so that he could actually just go to the bathroom. 
and she prayed the night before without ever knowing. I thought, thank you, Lord, for just small insights, things that you do to show us that you know that you're there. A couple weeks later, that my daughter went in to pray with her again, and she just said, we can't pray tonight, Mama. She goes, why? She goes, because the heart of God is, is broken. His heart is broken. So she wouldn't pray. And my wife woke up, and I mean, my daughter said she woke up the next day, and all over the news was that slaughter in Florida had gone on where 50 people had been shot and killed. She didn't know anything about it, but she just was responding to what she sensed from God. And You know, I can tell you I love God, but I, I want to know this. I want him to know that I love him. And so I think one of the greatest compliments that we could get when we go to heaven is God saying, man, you really loved me. You really loved me. So I'm going to give you seven ways that you can show God that you love him. Okay, A, under this, if you will, number A. I had one, one through seven, but we translated them to A, B, and C. So if I say two and it's B, don't just forgive me. All right, here we go. I show the Lord I love him by meditating on his goodness. I show the Lord I love him by meditating on his goodness. If you are hungry, a drink's not going to help. If you're thirsty, food's not going to help. If you're lonely, things aren't going to help. And that's why the thing that's going to help us the most is meditating on the goodness of God. And I am amazed at how much I forget. I met with somebody the other day, and, and they had gone to Africa with me 15 years ago. They remembered everything about the trip. I remembered nothing. In fact, I didn't even remember they went. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? And, and then they started telling me the stuff that God did on the trip, and I go, I remember that. Now, I remember that, but if I hadn't talked to them, I wouldn't have remembered any of it. And so I go, if you show God that you love him, you will meditate on the things that he's good. Now, see, if you love your wife, you're going to think about the things that she has done to make your life the way it is, good things. And that's why if I love God, you know, Psalm 18, 21 and 22 says, I have kept the ways of the Lord. His love is always before me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, folks, we were meant to be good and to live in the goodness of God. I know the songs, born to be wild. Yeah. Bad to the bone. That's what the world tells us, huh? Yeah, we're just rotten. But... God says when he created man, he stopped and said this. You guys are good, really good. And, and so for us to show God that we love him, we should be thinking or meditating on his goodness to us. Come on. You ought to make a list of everything that God has done in your life that's good. It's a long list. And, and I remember, you know, that the times that God healed my kids and we had no money, we had no insurance for five years and they'd be in their crib and they're burning up. I just go, Jesus. And we lay hands on them because that's all we got. 
and prayed for him and watched the fever break, and you go, thank you, God. And to remember the, the goodness of God when you, you have no money and, and somebody drives up and gives you a couple bags of groceries because God told them to. Remember and meditate on his goodness because I took a habit for a while where anybody come up to me, they said, how are you doing? I said, I'm blessed and thankful. And it, that was just my response. I'm blessed and thankful. And there, there's something about always saying, God, you're so good to us. You're so good. If I love God, then I will meditate on his goodness. And they say, how are you doing today? I'm living in the land of goodness. And yeah, there's brokenness in our world. We sang about it in the songs, but God's love is like a storm. Overcomes us. You want God to know that you love him? Dwell in his goodness. Meditate in his goodness. To be. I show the Lord I love him by trusting in his power. I show the Lord I love him by trusting in his power. You see, um, all of us have issues of trust. And when I first married Connie, she didn't trust me. I was some guy she married. I'm not true. She trusted her dad. And every time anything went wrong, I'm going to call my dad. I go, I'm right here. She goes, yeah, but I'm going to ask my dad. Because that's where her trust was. Her trust was with her relationship with her dad. And I'm, I'm talking for two years, I was just some guy, you know. <laughs> but you see, the more I did that she could trust, and the more I was involved in that, about three years into our marriage, she goes, I trust you. I trust you. That was huge for her. And that's part of what relationships are, is learning to trust each other. But I'll tell you that one of the things that shows God that you love him is if you trust him. And that is not easy sometimes. It, it just isn't. Whether it's a grandson with leukemia, do you have to trust? But, but I also see the power of God is so amazing. My mother-in-law, name's Nadine. Nadine's 83 years old. They... They found out she had uterine cancer. Uterine cancer. So they say, you got three months to live. It's so aggressive. You have six months if we do surgery, a hysterectomy at 83. Or you can do chemo. You might have a year. That's the prognosis they gave her. Well, she, just, she was going to do nothing. She said, well, I'm ready to go home. Jesus, welcome me home. She goes, I'm ready to go. Well, she's kind of a tough lady. So I said, have the surgery. What do you got to lose? So they went ahead and did the surgery. The doctor comes out of the surgery. We had all prayed, and, and she said goodbye to everybody. She, gave, she was going to go. So she comes out of the surgery, and the doctor goes, I don't even know how to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. We believe that the polyp that we removed that had the cancer was the only cancer in the uterus. They said we could find no more cancer. Nothing's there. So there's no more chemo. There's nothing else to be done. So when she got out of the surgery, she goes, how long do I have to live? <laughs> and the doctor goes, you're going to die from something else, but not from this. He said, literally, it's a miracle. He said, I, I don't even know what to tell you. Our biopsy said it was aggressive and spreading. 
If you love God, you trust him. And you trust his power. And that's why um, Psalm 31, verses 11 and 12 says, Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Have you been that person where they see you coming and they go the other way? <laughs> Those who see me on the street flee from me. <laughs> I'm forgotten by them as though I was dead. I have become like broken pottery. Ah, but verse 14 says this, but I trust in you, O Lord, and I say, you are my God. Come on, when you get in trouble, what's your first response? If you hit your finger with a hammer, what's the first words that come out of your mouth? You go, where'd that come from? And I, I, when, I, when I look at this, when you have trust, when things go bad, trust is where you turn, to the things that you trust and to the people that you trust. That becomes entirely important. You show the Lord you love him by trusting in his power. And, and I, I really do. I stand here today to tell you I don't have anything else to stand on. I don't have anything else to do except to trust in God's power and to trust him in that. All right, see. I show the Lord I love him by seeking times alone with him. I show the Lord I love him by seeking times alone with him. My wife will think it odd if I never want to be with her. True love means you want to be with, come on, remember when you really were in love? I would drive all night in my car to go spend a half an hour with Connie and then drive back to school. That's love, folks. Now you're in the other room. You turn down the TV, I was, in, I was in London a couple years ago, and I was so tired of London. I was tired of the fog. I was tired of everything. And we had a group of students that had gone to Africa, and we were staying there for a couple of days. And I said, I'm leaving. I'm done. And so I went to the airport and said, how much do you get a plane ride today to change my ticket? It's $250. I said, worth every penny. Got on a plane, I left, and I came home two days early. And I, I wanted to see my wife. I wanted to see my family. I was done traveling. I was so intent, I was willing to pay 250 bucks for a day just to get a day earlier. And you know, that showed my wife that I loved her and I missed her and my family. And, and do we show God that? Do you show God that you love him because you say, I need to be with you. I'll do anything to be with you. Now see, you don't, we know God loves us and desires to be with us. But does God know that you want to be with him? Would he know that you say, God, I just need, I need to hear from you. And that's why to show God that I love him, I have to do more than just say it. I have to do it. And that's why there's, there's times that when God wakes me up in the middle of the night, I pray. If I'm, a, if I'm awake at night, I ask God, who should I pray for? Because I know you want to spend time with me. Because the only time your body will actually stop thinking and moving is when you're asleep. 
And even recently, I had two dreams about being at a church pastoring. It was just kind of a, it's just part of the nature of my life. And God will speak to me in those dreams about what I should do with people. And then I'll wake up and pray for people like you that God brings to mind. And that's why if you love God, you desire to spend time with him. And it's intentional purpose. You pay for it. And that word, the reason I word the, the word meditate means to dwell and to think about for prayer. And I'll, Danny, I'm going to throw this in to you as well. If you're going to love God and want to spend time with him, you also want to worship him. And because people who love God, they know how to worship God. Because it says, the Father seeks worshipers who will seek him in spirit and truth in John chapter 4. And so if we love God and we want to spend time with him, worship is part of that, part of just being there. And there's so many times in my own life, I'm just, I'm dry, I'm just done. And I'll turn on a certain worship song and I'll just melt. And it's just like God's presence just falls on you. And you go, Lord, I, I miss this, I need this. And if you love God, you desire those times. You'll seek those times because you love him. D, I show the Lord I love him by concerning myself with his concern. I show the Lord I love him by concerning myself with his concern. What do you think God's concerned about? Well, let's have an open forum. What do you think God is concerned about? Talk to me. Okay? Saving the lost. Water for Haiti. Yeah. What else? Okay, those who are broken. Absolutely. What else? Always have widows and orphans among us. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Well, we got four things he's concerned about. <laughs> about war. I mean, what does God, when you think of God, what do you think God is concerned about? Because if you love him, you'll know what they are. My wife, if it comes time for anniversary or Christmas, I better know what she wants. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> and so um, there, there's something about um, that we know and concern ourselves with his concerns. Any relationship in order to grow is based on mutual concern. It's not a one-way street. It's always those things. And, and that's why we, we have a song that sings, break my heart for what breaks yours. You better be careful about singing that. I want to mumble when those words come up. <laughs> break my heart for what... When you sing, break my heart for what breaks yours, you better be ready for God to break your heart. And, and, and if you love him, he will. And I mean, there's sometimes I sit and I watch the TV and I sit there and I start bawling over watching some, you know, advertisement for, you know, you know, world relief or, or uh, world hunger or something. And I'm just, and I'm, my heart's broken because if you love God, you'll be concerned for his concerns. Oh, how many times have I missed it at home? Here's some of my things that I just thought would go well. It's only a puppy. <laughs> oh, this one. We can pay it off. <laughs> you know, 
Oh, there's a good one, too. What's wrong with him living with us? I just thought my wife would love that idea. <laughs> I have eaten, I have worn more things in the, in the name of love than I can count. Because guess what? Whatever my kids were concerned for, I was concerned for. My daughter, Nicole, when she was little, she wanted to sleep in her little clubhouse. Nobody would sleep outdoors with her. And that was a, a big concern for her. So I said, I'll sleep outdoors with her. So we went in that little two-by-two. Two. <laughs> and I slept there that night with her because she was concerned about no one caring that they wanted to sleep outdoors with her. See, to truly love God, I have to share in his concern. And if I know what my kids like and I know what my life, wife wants, I had best know what God loves and cares about and give myself to that. So if, think about it. Throughout the day, if you said, God, what are you concerned for? Break my heart with that. Because then we have that response of, of Exodus 4.31. It says, the Lord was concerned for the misery of Israel. Ezekiel 36, 9, it says, I am concerned for my people. Concerned about salvation and concerned about the hurting and concerned about the kingdom of God. No, I really do hate eating alone. I despise it. I don't eat alone. I mean, I don't go into a restaurant. Some people do it and they love it and it's great, and I, but it's just not me. I go through Del Taco and go home and, and have fellowship with the television. And, um, <laughs> God does not need us. He doesn't need us. But he made us in his image to have fellowship with him. And there's something that we cannot have it where we can bear to be alone, but we want to be with him. There's no greater test of love for Christ, no surer test of devotion for him than longing to be with him. E. I show the Lord I love him by loving the things he loves. By loving the things he loves. Pretty straightforward. Psalm 119, verse 97. I love your law, O God. Psalm 19, again. I love your statutes. Psalm 127, I love your commands. And Psalm 150, God, I love your precepts. We already know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so we know that God loves the world. We know that God loves sinners. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I know that God loves a cheerful giver and drinker. God loves the humble and the brokenhearted. Because of the love of the nature of God, we show him we love him by loving what he loves. Now, this next one's a little tougher, which is number F. I show the Lord I love him by hating what he hates. Yeah, there are scriptures that talk about what God hates. And we say hate is certainly um, something that he desires us not to be a part of. It's not something, it, it's something that would separate us from him. Align your heart to his by standing against what he stands against. Let me give you a couple of them. 
There are eight of them, by the way. He hates those who cling to idols. Psalm 101, verse 3, it says he hates faithlessness. Proverbs 8, 13, he hates evil at anyone that runs to it. Zechariah 8, 7, he hates um, those who come against their neighbors. Malachi, I hate divorce. There's a great book written, written called The Divorce Decision by a pastor in Fullerton. And he said that he took the eight principles that God said he hates in Scripture and says he applied them all to divorce. And he said, I really believe that in the culmination of divorce, there are, there's faithlessness and feet that run to evil and lies that are being told. And it's a very interesting book. It's not the only thing that we could make a culmination on, but God certainly shows us that in a broken world, for those who love God, you have to also stand against the things that God says we should stand against. Is there forgiveness? Absolutely. Absolutely but there's also righteous judgment. And there's got to be things in the world, I'm, I'm, come on, it isn't a free-for-all. It just isn't. And though our, our government wants to try to make everything for everyone, you can't. When, when Scripture says, I love God's law and his precepts and his principles, if you read those principles, there are boundaries in them. And those boundaries show that we love God by keeping them. Yeah. Well, Last one, I show the Lord I love him by longing for his appearing. By longing for his appearing. 2 Timothy 4.8 says this, Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me in that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing who have longed for his appearing. Did you wake up today and say, God, come today. Come today. Do you long for his return? Because people who love God long for his coming. And it's that absence and presence thing that when he's absent, we long for his presence. And it draws us to him and that's why for those who love God, if you want to prove to God you love him, long for his appearing. Oh, come on, I know that you've had principles and places where you can't make your mortgage payment, your car broke down again, your kids are run amok, and you go, now. <laughs> Come now. But it's another thing in a daily existence to tell God, I long for your presence. I long for your appearing. And that's why when Jesus ascended into the clouds in Acts chapter 1, the disciples were like this. And the angel said, why are you staring into the sky? He said, this same Jesus is coming back just the way he left. Just be ready. Be about the kingdom business, but be ready. And that's why, does God know you love him? Do you meditate on his goodness? Do you trust in his power? Do you seek times of communion with him? Are you concerned for his concerns? Do you love what he loves? Do you hate what he hates? And do you long for his return? I'm looking forward to the day when God says, 
wow, you love me. And I say, yeah, I did. It's one thing to know that he loves me. It's another thing for him to know that I love him. And part of that is what we do with our lives. All right, Antioch. I want you to go out this week and show God how much you love him by loving like he loves. All right? Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this church, for these good people that are part of my family. And I pray, Lord, blessing and goodness upon them. And Lord, um, today, I know that there, there are people who may be here that just don't even know what they love or why. And I pray, Lord, for grace to be shown because you promised that you would extend grace to all of us and that you love us right where we are. But salvation means change. It changes us. And I, I, I want to know that you love me, but I want you to know that I love you more than anything. And that is sometimes hard to do. And so, Lord, I ask that today there would be something that would stir within us, that would show the world that we are your disciples. Wouldn't it be wonderful, Lord, if people would drive by the Antioch church and said, that's a church where people love God because of giving water to Haiti and food in Kenya, caring for the homeless in Simi Valley. Lord, we want to be concerned for what you're concerned with because if we love you, we do. Love does that. It, it moves our heart to be concerned for things that we wouldn't normally be concerned for. So God, I ask today that no one would leave here without that commitment of, first of all, asking you as Savior into their lives because of your great love you died for us. But also, Lord, that as we leave, that we'd be reminded that we want the world to know that we love you. And we want you to know that we love them. No greater compliment, no higher praise than for God to know that we love him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody said amen.